And this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, my brother James is back on the show, and we are going to discuss the top French prospects in the 2024 NBA Draft. France has been putting out a lot of talent. Obviously, had the number one pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, Victor Mbanyama, the seventh pick in Bilal Koulibaly. Now they could have possibly two, three, maybe even four guys selected in the first round of the 2024 NBA Draft. So stay tuned to find out my scouting report along with James' scouting report on some of the top French prospects to monitor throughout this season. Stay tuned. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director scouting for NBA Big Board. I got my brother James with me back in the building. I thought the last episode we did last week was great. Obviously, it's my brother. We got chemistry. I and mean, we, I mean, we talk about hoops all the time, but now we're just doing it in front of an audience. But before we get started into this episode, I want to talk to you about game time because game time is the sponsor of today's episode. All you have to do is download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNBA, and you can get $20 off your first purchase. Again, LOCKEDONNBA, $20 off of your first purchase. Again, thank you for listening. If you're not subscribed to the channel, please subscribe, like, share, comment, help us grow this channel. The podcast is doing great. YouTube channel is growing, but basketball season is here. And the reason why we're talking about the French prospects is because, I mean, they're one of the only group of prospects hooping. I mean, there's some international players that are playing and there's some guys playing in Australia, but France is doing their thing this year. And so I know you've in the past been a little critical Mm -hmm. of French prospects after reviewing the film on these guys, has your, 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 your mindset changed a little bit? <clears throat> well, you know, I'm growing. Yeah, clear his throat, so that yeah, means yeah. you guys lose. It's, it's, it's growing. They're growing on me. They're growing on me. What's your concern about French prospects? Um, well, see, I still have my concerns, um, but these aren't point guards, so uh, the concerns don't necessarily apply fully to the group of guys that we're evaluating right now. Um, and, you know, to just keep it a buck, I mean, it just comes down to, you know, we know they can play basketball, but can they hoop? Yeah, well, you got to hoop on, on bad teams. And so let's let's go with your concerns about the French point guards. I know my issue was it seemed like every year they'd have, like, this big oversized point guard that was – with long arms, that he was a game manager. Like, no offensive creativity, not a guy that can get you a bucket. I know that's one of my blind spots is I like guys, especially point guards, that get downhill, get you a bucket, collapse the defense, draw two, kick out. And I didn't really see that on French point guards. And then Killian, I was obviously high on Killian. If you remember back in 2020, I believe, I actually had him ahead of... I had a LaMelo ball. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to talk about that. So that was my concern is that they just had these guys that had these the, the physical tools, but they were like big game managers, which, you know, I mean, if, you, if you're looking for, you know, a role player, I mean, I guess that's fine. But they were just getting drafted too high. See, I'm the same way. I mean, again, in my eyes, I want as much upside as possible with, a, you know, an early, mid-lottery pick. And I just felt like, you know, Frank Nilekina was just, you know, 
He was just dribbling out there. You know, he didn't have any any creation. It was east-west. Yeah, it was, it was east-west. I didn't see, like, you know, I, I'd rather roll the dice on the guy that's going to be like, yo, I need a bucket right now. And I'm not, not, I'm not talking, like, just big-time ISO ball or just, like, get downhill and create. And I didn't, I didn't see that from him. And uh, as far as Killian, um, I thought he would be better. I didn't think he was going to be better than LaMelo, but I thought he would be <laughs> better. Um, I wanted to say, you know, he had some some Goran Dragic in him, but you know, he's without the speed. Without the speed, yeah, yeah. But you know, I didn't I didn't see like somebody said D'Angelo Russell. I didn't see that by any stretch of the means. But like, it, it's not over for him right now. Uh, but you know, you're not hoping in Detroit is not a good sign. But you know, they. They brought in Cade. Then they, they brought in Ivy. So it's like... Then uh, they drafted another guard. Then they drafted... A, so it's, it's not going to work there, but it's not to me... He has an opportunity to, to figure it out. But just like... And it's not just the French guards, but just like international guards to me, they can play basketball. But to me, they've struggled hoping. That goes back to Dante Exum. We mentioned Frank Nilekina. Uh, I want to see you hoop. I want to see you get downhill. I want to see you make plays. I want to see you, you know, take over a game and be a bucket. That's my mindset if I'm drafting guys that high. And I want as much upside as I possibly can get. I understand safe picks and Nilekina turned himself into a 3 and D guy. But, I mean, I'm not drafting you to do that. Yeah, not that high. But there's a guy, Nikola Topic, who we're not going to discuss on this episode. But he... He's got some dragage he, in his game. He can hoop. He, he he can hoop. He's getting up. He's putting up big numbers. You don't see guards put up big numbers in Europe, but he's so he had like a twenty-eight point game. Twenty-eight, even playing at the. He's playing. He had like twenty-eight against pros, but when he's playing against his age group earlier this year, he's getting up like thirty points a game. Oh, he's straight downhill. But we'll talk about him on another episode. I mean, I've talked about him, but I definitely want to get your opinion. Okay. All right, let's talk about the French guys that I, we. I believe can be first round picks this year. They actually have Alex Saar, who could be the number one pick. Now I was I talked about him probably like four or five episodes over Tell the last me what month. You, tell me about him. So my opinion on Alex Saar was I've been watching him for years. I thought that he had crazy talent, seven one, seven five wingspan. He's skilled, but I didn't like the fact that I never saw him like dominate a game never saw him dominate back-to-back games just saw flashes Mm -hmm. but then my mindset changed when I saw him play against the ignite Mm -hmm. last month and he showed like he can move he can pass he can block shots he showed some toughness I saw him block Ron Holland shot talked a little trash to him I like that I I, I like when guys are talking trash you know some people oh man you know that kind of that's where arguments start and fights start but I like that competitive you know, that's just the American in me that grew up watching guys play on the playground. If you get in the guy's head, you got to do whatever it takes to win. So he was blocking shots, and then he showed he can defend. There was a play where he just locked Ron up in, in isolation. And his role has scaled down a little bit since he's been back in Australia. But he's shown enough flashes with that I think he can score inside, out. He's got the LaMarcus Aldridge turnaround. That's crazy, man. I wrote that down, man. I mean, because you don't, I mean, how many guys got a, a post turnaround, high arc and release? And so, uh, <laughs> so but no, he's, he's got a game. 
So I, I think that I had him at number 30, I should say, coming into the season on my big board. And now I haven't put one out since, but I think he's easily a top five pick. Yeah, see, so again, you know, I start my, you know, my uh, research around this time of the year. So I saw him. I saw the uh, the highlights of the G League Ignite game. And, um, like, I saw a dog, man. He was he was yeah, dunking. To me, that's that wasn't always there. And and so, OK, as I continue to watch, uh, so I watched his uh, under 19. I didn't see that dog like that. He averaged like seven points right. a game. Then, I don't know what he did that two minutes he played in OTE, but, like, he just – you could see like the potential, or it may have been like permanent potential. The but, two years he played in OT. Yeah, yeah. And then, but what I saw, and then, uh, so like the uh, under nineteen looked like potential. Like he looked like a good basketball player, like a first round pick. But like from the for what I've seen in uh, the NBL right now and the G League game, like he looks like like you said, a top five pick. Uh, I immediately, you know, I started typing my notes, and I'm like, is that LaMarcus Aldridge out there? He had a, a two-dribble pull-up. I like how he, he's he's faster than LaMarcus Aldridge. He rebounds. He pushes the ball up the court. Um, can pass. He can, and he can pass. Live dribble pass. Live dribble pass. He's got real soft touch around the basket. Um and I think he has mobility to defend on the perimeter, too. You think? I, I yeah. know he can. I mean, he showed it. I mean, Ron Holland is, is fast. But I'm talking about, like, point guards, too. And I mean, Ron Holland, he's a wing, but I saw him. But he's uh, got point guard speed in his sense. Yeah. yeah. And he'll use his length. I mean, like you said, 7'5 wingspan. So, like, I saw what I – from what I saw in the videos that I've seen, like, he, he looks, like, legit. And, again, but my concerns are, as I watch further, like, is that – did he flip the switch? Is he a full-time dog? That's what I need to know. Um, I saw the great shooting touch, but somehow he's like a fifty percent foul shooter. Though mm -hmm. I don't, I don't understand that. And that wasn't just—that's not just what he's doing so far with six games into the NBL. But he shot like fifty percent from the foul line in under 19s in uh, year and for, for France too. So I don't—that has to be like a concentration thing because you see he's got great touch. But like I see pick and pop, I see pick and roll, I see short roll, I see him hitting guys in the corner. Like he checks like all the boxes. Uh, but again, it'll be interesting to see like. Is this a full-time dog? Was this something that his agent said, hey, man, you got to prove yourself? Is he going to dial it back now that he's back in uh, Australia? I don't know. But there's a whole lot to like about Saar right now. All right, when we return, we're going to talk a little bit more about Alex Saar, and we're going to talk about a few more French prospects. I want to talk to you about game time. Have you ever wanted to buy tickets and just had issues buying last-minute tickets or... You buy tickets and then right when you're about to pay, you got this crazy price where it jumps. But with game time, they have last minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, and they have it on the app where everything is all inclusive. It's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. It actually show you views from the venue and they have a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection and job loss protection. So even if you lose your job, and you already bought the tickets, Game Time will help you get your money back. And they have deals on tickets right up to the very last minute. And even an hour before it starts, it is the best, the best place to find last minute tickets. I know a few months back I was in New York, wanted to go to a Yankees game while I was there for the draft, went to Game Time, got some tickets. And it's not only sports, it's comedy, theater. And all you have to do Let's download the Game Time app. Create an account. Use the code LOCKEDONNBA. You can get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. 
Use the code LOCKEDONNBA and you get $20 off. Download the Gang Time app, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Once again, thank you for all the listeners that have made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And in the next episode, James will be back in the building. And we are going to talk about small guards. Is it over for small guards? It seems like the NBA is off small guards. When I say off small guards, like if you like 6'1", 6'2", no matter what you do, it might be tough for you to get a job. So we'll talk about that in the next episode. But we left off talking about Alex Sarr. And you mentioned your concerns about the shooting touch based off the free throw percentage. If you had to pick an area where you think he needs to improve on to live up or maximize his potential, what would that be? Um, right now, uh, again, so as a pick, continue to shoot well, right? Um, obviously, picking and rolling, picking and rolling, picking and popping, those are going to be there. You know, you're going to play with great guards in the NBA um, no matter the situation that you're in because, you know, that's just where we are. We're a pick-and-roll league. But to to fulfill the LaMarcus Aldridge prophecy, you need to play with your back to the basket. And right now... He's not strong enough right He's now. not strong enough. And again, you know, he's what, 18? Yeah. He's yeah. 18. LaMarcus Aldridge, his freshman year was like 9-5. and five at uh, Texas, and he yep. did get hurt that year, too. Yep. But I want to see him develop a go-to move over each shoulder on the block because LaMarcus was, again, as he got oh he, he could do both. He could pick mm-hmm. and pop, but you could also throw him the ball, you know, in the mid-post, and he could turn around, and he can shoot that pretty jump shot. That's what I want to see from him in the future. Um, he's not really getting that opportunity right now because, you know, we're not feeding the 18-year-old right now for a professional basketball team, and that's, that's fine. But, like, I see it. I see the ability. I see the talent. Um, that's the difference between just being a, a you know, a pick-and-pop guy versus, like, okay, we need you to be a foundation guy. That's how you live up to being a potential number one pick or top three or top five pick is it's 10 years from now, can we give you the ball on the block and get us a bucket? You think in 10 years from now, NBA teams are going to start feeding the posts? I think, it's got to come back, man. I don't. I, I think it's just the, the market dictates uh, where the action is. So if there isn't anybody like that, then I'm not going to do it. You know, but if you if it proves to be that way, then that's just what it's going to be. So, like, if we can talk about now. There's been a resurgence of the power forward position. Right. A lot of that is because Giannis turned into a power forward. Now we saw that Evan Mobley, uh, he's a power forward. Chet, power forwards. Like, they're coming back. Powerless forward. Yeah, power, no but, power in Chet and Evan Mobley. That's, that's true. <laughs> but fours. Okay, we'll call them fours. You know what I mean. But, okay, I say power forward versus, like, I'm not talking about the dude that's a three-man that's playing the four. But that's who closes games. The three-man that... It depends, though. To me, KD is a three, but he's going to close. No, nah, but KD, KD's an alien. He's always been a three, and he'll close at the four. Brown is going to close at the four. But, yeah, but those are, those are, those are we talking about, like, regular civilian NBA players until they become Tatum, that. don't Tatum close at the four? Uh, Tatum's a three. But doesn't he close at the four? He's not going to close at the four, at the three this year. At the, you, at the four think, this year, no. Who's going to close at You got to go through Milwaukee. He can't guard Giannis. Gonna have, that's why they brought in Porzingis to, to space that out for you. Porzingis going to guard Giannis? <laughs> or Horford. It ain't going to be Tatum. I think in the closing lineup, 
We'll see. We'll, we'll get back to it. All right. So, so you say adding strength. Yes. What do you think? Who do you think he is if he puts it all together? Like I said, I think if he puts it all together, he's Lamarcus Aldridge. See, I, I see shades of Lamarcus. I think he'll be more of a vertical lob threat. I think he's going to be a better shot blocker than Lamarcus Aldridge. The knock on Lamarcus was he wasn't a great rebounder. So is Saar a great rebounder? Because next to uh, what's my man? The other French in the under 19s, he didn't. He wasn't a great rebounder in that position. But they were playing with another big. Aaron, yeah, but I think in the NBA, he's in the, going to be a five. But then some people think he's like going to be like a Jaron Jackson. See, and that's that's what I saw too. So okay, Jaron Jackson. Offensively, I offensively, say. he can be Jaron Jackson. Mm-hmm. Right. That would be like the medium, whatever. And I guess you could say base, best case scenario, you're LaMarcus Aldridge, who's an offensive hub for a team that was winning 50 games and you pair him with a good point guard and you give him a good chance. He's a multiple-time All-Star Max player, right? And then you have Jaron Jackson, who, uh, you know, he can score. on. He's getting better at scoring on mismatches, but ultimately he's going to pick and pop. But he'll have that that vertical lob, that athleticism that yep. Jaron Jackson has. And again, if you that's what you end up at three, four, five, or whatever, I mean, you would take that. Yep. All right, let's talk about Melvin Ajinka, six eight wing. He's playing for San Quentin, also French prospect. He is pretty interesting. He kind of came up on the scene, at least to me, had his his breakout summer that kind of put him on draft boards he's a little different than your typical french prospect to me in my opinion because he colors outside the lines like when i think of french prospects i don't see a lot of guys color outside the lines they're very system based they don't take bad shots melvin ajinka he he lets it fly he plays with a lot of confidence not afraid to get it up and he is someone that I can see people put him into the box as a three and D wing because he can shoot, but he's not just a standstill shooter. Comes off movements, mm-hmm. um, but he's got a, in the words of Cameron, he's got a scorer's aura. Okay. I like him. What are your thoughts on the Jinka? I like him. I want to love him, but I don't see a lot of shot creation from him. But I, I, I agree. But I don't know if that's going to be his role in the NBA. So, so again, that's why I like him, but I want to, I don't, I'm not a fan of the 3 and D skill set for various reasons because, again, if you're not making threes and you can't attack a closeout, what do you have to offer for me? I can't, I can't do the two for eight and two rebounds. Well, their job is to complement the guy that. that's making a max. But, again, if we're talking about the teams that go far in the playoffs, right? Those role players don't just stand there and shoot threes. They can attack closeouts. They can put the ball on the ground. They can cut. I'm not talking about dancing and wiggling. No, we're not talking about that. But again, if you look at uh, Michael Porter Jr. didn't do, but Michael that. Porter Jr. has a he is a great cutter, right? And he's a great rebounder, and he plays off of great rebounder. He was at ten rebounds a game through the first three rounds of the. Uh, the playoffs this year. Yeah, he's a great rebounder, right? But he cuts, and he's 6'10". And he's you, you better cut with Nicole. Yeah, Jones. you have to cut, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm talking about, again, no disrespect, but, like, 
the Mavs 3 and D guys just stand there and shoot threes and they go two for eight and they don't do anything. So, again, you get paid and there's no disrespect to anybody, but like that Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith, I'm not a fan of that particular 3 and, guy, 3 and D guy because you're just sitting there waiting for me to throw you a grenade. And I don't feel like you can compete at a high that, – that, those are your role players and you have a ceiling on what your team can do. But if your role player is like, uh, you know, again, he's older, but when Otto Porter played, he put the ball on the ground, one drew pull up. He was making that shot. He was cutting. He wasn't just he ain't standing. really that much older, is he? He's physically, he's an old man. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? All right, before we get into our lingo, you know, we brothers, so we got this lingo. I know what you mean, but explain to the audience what a grenade is. A lot of people don't know what a grenade so or a bomb a is. A grenade is, I'm dribbling the ball. We got five seconds on the clock, and I'm throwing you the ball, and you got to shoot it because I'm not taking a turnover. We got to get a shot up. So again, there's some guys that like grenades. I remember I forgot. It was Quincy. Was Quincy AC told me he said, "Throw me a grenade. grenade. I gotta prove I can shoot the three ball. Please give me a grenade." But that was his role. It was another guy. I can't think of his name, man. Uh, he played for the Spurs. Played for the Bobcats. He went to a. Oh, I can't think of his Gary name. Gary Neal. Gary Neal. He used to say when he played for the Bobcats, "I need all them grenades," because he knew coming off the bench, his role was to shoot it. And not if you did get grenades, that means you probably didn't get a shot. Exactly. And for him, he needed to get a shot. But when we return, we'll talk a little bit more about grenades and guys that have roles as just 3D shooters. I want to talk to you about Jace Medical. Because with a Jace case, you can get five life-saving antibiotics just in case you have an emergency. And now to get a Jace case, all you have to do is fill out a form and you can actually jump on a call with a board certified physician. You can get ongoing care from physicians on any treatment related questions, doctor created and doctor recommended. Do not be caught unprepared. The Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved ones when the unexpected happens. That's why Jace Medical provides a Jace case with the five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and they give you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping to have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So do not get caught unprepared and you can get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today at Jace Medical by using the code locked on at checkout. That is jacemedical.com, J A S E medical.com. All right, we left off talking about Melvin Ajinka, and James is not a fan of, of 3 and D guys. Now, when you watch this film, do you see a glimpse or potential yeah, to yeah, be a shot? Yeah, kid? yeah. So I, I, I see. He has some ability. I just would like to see it more. And again, I understand it's a different country. There's different roles. I understand that. But it's just like, oh, and don't get me wrong. He has a burner now. Like, he's shooting 41% in his current league. And he mm -hmm. shot 47% in under 19. On a good volume of attempts. That's why I say, attempt. like, he was so, letting yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't like him. I just would like to see more from him. And that if you box him into a 3 and D role, sure, he'll be successful. Mm -hmm. But, again, I'm just, I'm just thinking long-term for prospects. Like, I want – you want the best of, you know – 
the best ability. You want to get the best out of your ability. And like I've seen him put the ball on the ground just a little bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's only straight lines. And it's only straight lines. And it's at 4,000 miles an hour when he does do it. Again, it goes back to our age-old discussion. I want to see him learn how to hoop and not just play basketball. Um, now, if he does learn how to hoop, because he's got the frame, he's 6'8", right? He's young, too. And he's young. And even if it's just a little fake stuff to get to your spots, I might be tripping. But he could be like a Rodney Hood type. <laughs> I might be I've tripping. Heard that comparison. Okay, so I'm not tripping. All right, so he could be like Rodney Hood. Now again, Rodney Hood, um, pre-injury in Utah, he was scoring. He wasn't just a shooter; he was a scorer. Right? Mm -hmm. Not the guy that just stood in the corner. But again, it was it was. He it had was, a one dribble. Pull he had a one dribble pull up, and you ran him off the line. He could make shots, and you could run action for him. Mm -hmm. So best case scenario. Or what I would love to see from Ajinka would be to turn into that Rodney Hood pre-injury kind of guy. So to me, that's not a 3 and D guy. That's a third score, fourth score on a good team. Did you see any flashes of playmaking? Um, no. No flashes of playmaking? No, I didn't see him. I didn't see him try to make any plays again that was not the role that was asked of him mm -hmm. and to me when i did see him put the ball on the ground it looked like he was being sped up and he didn't look comfortable um but i feel like that's something he can work on like it's not it's not out of his ability to 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 become better at it uh it's just that you know they said hey man run off these these curls and shoot and he was doing it but again, Rodney Hood was a career like 1.5 assists per game guy. So like, I'm okay with that if that's what he becomes. So what I like about him is he has good positional size. Like I said, he can shoot whether it's on the move, off the catch. He's an aggressive scorer, so I like the mindset. I think he's a good athlete. I think his first step is, is decent, but it is pretty much just straight line drives. I think his motor's good. I like the, the energy and activity. I like the fact that he does have a step back. See, and so he does have some. It's just not really off the dribble. But my concerns are, like you said, doesn't do much off the dribble. I think he takes a lot of tough contested jumpers, and um, I have in my notes very limited ball handling package. All right, so we we're done with Ajinka. Okay. The next guy I want to talk about is a little under the radar, but he has generated a little bit of a buzz. Pacom. Diadet, hopefully I said that right. Now I've actually had a chance I, I to think watch him in France when I was watching. They said Dadia, PD. <laughs> <laughs> but you know when I listen to like, and, and this is always the the difficult part with international prospects. I try to listen to the commentators, and sometimes the commentators, depending on the game, they'll give you two different pronunciations. I've even went on YouTube, typed the name in, because they literally have someone that, like, you type in a name, uh -huh. and they will tell you how to pronunciate it, uh -huh. but the only thing is, that same name could be pronounced different in a That's different true. language, so we call him PD, Man, but I've had a way. chance to watch him play a couple of times. I saw him 20, it was a 21-22 season on the Adidas Next Generation Tournament. I believe that tournament was in Patras, Greece. I like the size. I like the fact that the shot looks easy. Yeah. Like the shot looks easy. It comes off his hands. And I didn't think that he was 
2024 guy. I thought he was a potential NBA guy, but I think he's put himself in a position where you have to mention him as a candidate to go in 2024. So here's my notes. Strong wing, broad shoulders, beautiful effortless stroke, can handle the ball a little bit in space, good vision as a passer. I like the fact that he can zip uh, cross-court passes. He passed the ball ahead, draws a lot of fouls with his activity, has some offensive creativity off the bounce, which to me is always something that I really like. He just doesn't miss around the rim. Very efficient finish around the rim. Stays within himself, doesn't take a lot of bad shots, even though I just talked about how I like Ajinka because he colors outside the lines and takes some bad shots. Mm -hmm. And I think that Pacombe has really, I think he has good range. I think he has the potential to be like one of those guys that spaces the floor beyond the three-point line. My concerns were, I thought he's a good athlete, but lacks that blow-by speed, like that, that great first step. Can be a little turnover prone from time to time. And he, although he has good court vision, I felt like his decision making isn't always on par with his vision. I think he sees it, mm -hmm. but sometimes he just makes bad decisions. Not necessarily like bad decisions on the passes, but I just felt like um, the decision making can improve. But I would like to see him add a pull up jumper. Because I think if you don't have like blow by speed, but you have that size, if you can, and this is probably a bad comparison because there's only one of these guys out. But Paul Pierce had the foot, the footwork to where he was sneaky. Paul Pierce had, if you go on YouTube and look at some of Paul Pierce's like dunk highlights, you like that, he was banging on people. But Paul Pierce just knew how to get to his spots. He didn't do a whole lot of dancing with the ball. Of course, Paul is just a one-of-one. One. But, I, but I would like to see Pacome add, add, add like a one-dribble pull-up to be able to just use his body, his strength, and his frame to get to his spots if he's not going to blow by guys and get to the rim and elevate over the top of guys. So that's my notes. What, what are yours? Let me ask you a question real quick. Uh-oh. Is he a three or is he a four? He's just a hybrid. He's a three-four. Okay, so... In this current situation that he's in, he's a four. Yep. Pure four, pick and pop, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when he played for the Orange Academy, he was he was a three. Yeah. And that's when I saw him handling the ball. I saw him making plays. I saw him playing pick and roll. Um, so my biggest concern, I guess you could say, is what is he? Now, again, if you tell me he's just going to be a four and he's going to pick and pop and be like a, a secondary ball handler. And you're not maximizing what he, what he brings to the table. Are you not maximizing it? Or, is that, or can he become that is what I'm saying. Well, I think he can pass. Or can he, can he become a three? Because like I said, I just, I just don't know which one he, which one he is right now. Or if you say he's a 2024 guy, he's a four. A 2025 guy, maybe he goes back to the toolbox and, and sharpens his, his playmaking off. Because, again, like you said, um, he's, not, he's not quick. He's not athletic. That's fine. But he has ball handling ability. Mm -hmm. So it's like I, wanted, I would like to, to figure out which one is he. I mean, I just think in today's NBA, there's hybrid three fours. Probably his best position where he may have the best advantage is as a four. Right. So if, if he's a four, then you're talking about a guy that can space the floor. Yeah. 
a guy that can be a ball mover. Attack closeouts. Attack closeouts. Because that physical disadvantage he would have on the perimeter as a three is cut down if he's getting guarded by fours. Yeah. So I see him as a, a floor spacer that can make plays. Not necessarily be like a secondary ball handler, but another guy that can make plays. And that's why I'm saying if he becomes a little bit craftier off the dribble to where, you know, he can get you a bucket late in the shot clock or be someone if there's late shot clock situations, he can turn into a, a another pick and roll playmaker. Okay. But I like his skill set. Like I said, I didn't think he was a 24 guy until recently. And um, he, he dealt with some injuries last year. And so, um, you know, I just, I'm hoping to see a season out of him where he's healthy. Because, again, I've been watching him for a couple of years now. If he's healthy, then I think he can show. Well, of course, situation matters. But I think he can show that he's got a lot of skills to work with. Yeah, he can play. And like I said, I watched, I went back to see if he offered more. And like I said, when I saw him in that Orange Academy, he was shooting 50% on high volume from three. So yeah, like he and he was letting it go. He yeah, was letting it go. He yep. can shoot. So again, if, and I'm not saying him being a four is a bad thing and mm -hmm. by any stretch of the means. Because again, if you're a four with just even a little bit of ball handling ability, when you play with those point guards, especially as a stretch four, they chase you off the line and you can get downhill and hit that guy in the corner or you can shoot that pull up or you, in his case, because he was shooting, you know, relocation threes, like those are all pluses. I just want to know, is he a three or is he a four? But I like him too. Um, I, he's somebody I would keep an eye on, obviously, to see how he progresses during the season to see if it's this year or next year. It would be best for him to, to enter. What makes international prospects difficult sometimes is that you have to watch him in multiple settings and I respect the fact and I like the fact that you watch him in multiple settings because I've had people that I've talked to and they'll go on synergy or whatever they'll watch full game of just this season and the guy's role could be totally different because like you said when he was at the the Orange Academy last year his role was totally different than it is now and when I watched him at the next generation tournament I had some notes on him um, I said great size frame with broad shoulders. He showed that he could run the floor. I thought he had upside as a defender because he gave multiple efforts. And then on, on, on this, on my notes from this, I had him as a good athlete that made plays above the rim because he showed that in this setting. Now, it's a different setting because he's playing against his age group. And then, you know, right now he's playing pro. But I have seen film where... In, like this was actually not necessarily film. This was my own eyes. Well, he looks like he was a good athlete. I put that he's a capable shooter and shot maker, can attack closeouts. And then on this one, I said that he's not much of a passer or a playmaker. So these are my notes from, I want to say, like March 2022. Mm -hmm. But then I see him in another setting. I'm, like, intrigued by the passing. And then um, I had put that he draws a lot of fouls, is an excellent free throw shooter, which he showed that mm -hmm. when he played last year. Again, he wasn't even healthy, but he was still racking up fouls. He scores easily within the flow of the offense, which is something that I do like. But I think there are times, especially when he's playing with his age group, that he'd have like an advantage over a guy. Like basically a guy couldn't check him and mm -hmm. he would still only score within the flow of the offense. Um, he also, in this particular tournament, again, this is with his age group, he posted up 
guys. Mm-hmm. Like if there were, or they ran plays where he posted up, which is something that I do like about international basketball because they post up. We don't post up in the States anymore. Right. And we saw that with Team USA where they had like Austin, they was putting Austin Reeves on the island yeah. and posted him up, which, you know, I mean, how often does Austin Reeves get posted up in the NBA game now? No, unless it's Westbrook. But anyway, um, I thought that uh, Pacone was a good cutter. I, I liked the fact that he moved with a purpose. And then in this particular tournament, he averaged 18.8 points, four rebounds, two assists, and he shot 50% from the floor and 35% from three. And I believe he was shooting good from three throughout the whole tournament, but then he had like one game that brought it down to 35%. So I like him. Again, I didn't see him in 2022 as a 2024 prospect, but I think he's someone that should definitely flirt with it this year. And, I mean, this is a weaker class, so it could help him out. Do you see him as a top 60 prospect in 2024, which I know it's hard to discuss because we haven't seen the college guys, but do you you think he has that potential? Yeah, I think he has that potential. Again, he's working with a, a good, you know, bag of tricks. I just want to see more. And again, top 60, I've, you know, he's, he's already, you said 2024. Yeah, I think he has a chance. But again, it, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see how much he grows and continues to show out there. All right, what do you want to see him work on? I, I mentioned see, the mid-range pull-up. I want to see him, again, more comfortable handling the ball. Again, I understand Europe is not America. He's not going to go out there turning to Julian Newman by any stretch of the oh imagination. God. No, but... Again, okay, they they chase you off the line. Show me a, a two drill pull, a one drill pull up, right? Like, just show me more. Show me some of the skills that you have when you play against guys your age level. Show me that against pros too. Which is hard because that's why I say it's always tough evaluating international prospects because you can evaluate them with their age group where they're probably going to show a little bit more. But then if you're 18 years old and you're playing on a pro team, they're not going to give you a lot of room to develop. They want you to play the winning style, which you can see guys have more freedom. Yeah. International guys have more freedom in the NBA as rookies. Well, let me ask you a question real quick. Let me interrupt you. Is that a, a wing thing or is that a player thing? Because we just talked about SAR, right? Saar is grabbing rebounds off the glass, and he's pushing it up the court. Okay. They're not, he, they're not stopping him from doing if that. If he stays in France, if he plays pro in France this year, I don't think you see that. So it's a, it's a, it's a, I think it's part a country thing. And coaching. Because if you look at Bilal. All right, let's look at Victor. I'm right, just going on a tangent. If you look at Victor, okay. when he played for Asvel, Victor was going to be the number one pick regardless. Okay. But when he played for Asvel, he didn't have any freedom. Mm-hmm. They had him shooting threes. Okay. You look at Bilal. Bilal right. averaged seven points a game last year playing for the, the French under-18 team. Now, Victor and Bilal have the same agent. And the coach of the Metropolitans last year is represented by that agency. Okay. So they had someone that was pushing them. Mm-hmm. If Victor stays with Asva, he's not shooting one-leg threes. He's not bringing the ball up court. He's not showing everything. So he had the benefit of his coach has this, is represented by the same agent. Mm-hmm. The Metropolitans were awful. Victor comes in, and basically they have to give him freedom. Okay. Vic, they're like 0-5 right now. Mm-hmm. So Victor was the one that kind of saved that team financially in a sense. So he's going to have the freedom to like do whatever. 
Mm. Palau, same thing, but even then, only because America, they, a lot of their wings got hurt that he was able to play mm. and showcase his game. If Palau was in a different situation on another team in France, he's not the seventh pick. All right, so let me ask you another question. Talk, again, we talked about freedom. So, Zachary Piran, he's in France, correct? Mm-hmm. He's grabbing and going off the glass, too. So, is that him? Or is that the situation? Or we don't know? I think it's a combination of both. That's why French prospects are so intriguing to me because sometimes you have to look at like the skill set and the talent, not necessarily the stats and the production because right. you don't know that the reason why they're not producing at a high level is because they're not given freedom. SAR, seven points per game, U18s. Mm-hmm. Totally different player. Right. Bilal, seven points per game. Even a guy that we're going to talk about in part two, Zachary Rieslesher, a guy that a lot of people are really high on, but his numbers weren't, weren't great. But now he's in a different situation and he looks a whole lot better. But you know what? We'll save that for the next episode. I know I mentioned that we're going to talk about French prospects. I mean, we're over time, so this is part one. Stay tuned for part two. We're going to talk about Zach, Zachary Rieslesher, Zachary Perrin, and then also Tijon Saloon, Salon, who I think is one of the more intriguing prospects in the 24 NBA draft. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with my brother James. Man, once you put us, I mean, we're, this is how we always talk, but now we got a mic and the camera on us. And we go over time, so that's why there's gonna be a part two, so stay tuned for part two. And then after part two, we're gonna talk about, is it over? Is it over for small guards? as far as being NBA draft prospects, because we've seen a few guys, whether it's Kennedy Chandler, Sharif Cooper, struggle finding a spot in the NBA. But once again, that wraps up this episode. Stay tuned for part two. We're gonna talk about some French prospects that we think could be in the 2024 NBA draft. I'm Rafael Barlow with my brother James, and we out.